The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we take a look at what happened in Disneyland for the past few months, why it's still not reopened, and when it might reopen in the future. Find all episodes of the podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered. And if you're looking to plan a vacation, you can email me, josephchung at travelmation.net, and I'd be happy to do all the hard work for you. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com at www.deciphered on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Disney Deciphered. I'm Joe Chung and I'm joined by a woman who's installed plexiglass dividers and social distancing cue markers into her house. It's Leslie Harvey. How are you doing, Leslie? I'm great, Joe. I know I'm a little bit COVID obsessed, but I'm not that COVID obsessed. Come on. Hey, you got to be ready for when California says your house can reopen, right? Uh, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my guess is probably nobody got the reference in my introduction, but it was an homage to Daryl Grove, the co-host and founder of The Total Soccer Show. It's a podcast that has had a profound effect on the landscape of soccer fandom in the U.S. and also on my own growth as a podcaster. You know, I wouldn't be doing this uh, if it wasn't for Daryl and his partner, Taylor. Unfortunately, Daryl passed away this past week after a battle with cancer, which he fought valiantly. Daryl was not a Disney fan, not that I know of at least, but the world is a little less magical today without his presence. So I'd like to take a moment to thank Daryl and his co-host Taylor for the positivity they brought into the world and to send positive energy to Taylor and Daryl's wife, Shannon. Like Taylor and Daryl have said many times since Daryl's diagnosis, there's really no easy way to transition. So we're just going to transition and move on to uh, the focus of today's episode. So today we're going to take a closer look at what exactly is going on with Disneyland. From the outside, it's obvious that Disneyland is not reopening anytime soon, but we thought now that it really seems like it's not going to open for a while, it's going to be a good time to look at the timeline as to exactly what happened here between Disneyland, Gavin Newsom, California cases. And so, of course, we have a resident Disneyland expert, Leslie, here. So, Leslie, where do you want to start today? Well, you know, I'm always looking for excuses to talk Disneyland on this podcast, but I'm really disappointed to have the excuse this time. You know, I've been hoping all fall, you know, just from a personal perspective to have some news about Disneyland reopening, but the news is pretty grim. We're not going to bury the lead. Like Disneyland is not opening anytime soon and it could be spring or it could be summer of 2021 if the current guidelines stay in place. But I do want to walk people through the history so they can kind of understand how we got here because I know not everybody outside of California has been following our back and forth and our politics and really understands the framework because I mean honestly California is doing this whole COVID thing very differently than I don't know 45 other states I mean I guess maybe like Oregon and Washington State <laughs> are doing um, it the same way but we're pretty, our, our sixth flag isn't open here so uh, okay yeah. okay Massachusetts as well Massachusetts yeah, so, too yeah. so let's I mean let's start with you know way back in 
May or June, whenever Disney made the announcement about Disney World reopening, uh, some of us may have forgotten, but they actually announced that Disneyland was going to be opening, like they, not at the same time as Disney World, but, you know, right around that time. So what exactly happened there? Yeah, so it wasn't very long after Disney World announced an opening date. They said Disneyland's going to be reopening on July 17th, which of course is very significant because that is the 65th anniversary. So everyone got very excited. You know, Disney World would happen and then Disneyland would be not long after. And a couple of weeks ticked by and Governor Newsom still had not released guidelines for what theme parks had to do. And I'm sure there was a lot of behind the scenes going on and Disney waiting to hear what terms they had to open under. And at some point in late June, it became clear that the guidelines were not going to come in time. Newsom, in fact, said, we're not going to have theme park guidelines until after the July 4th holiday. And Disneyland said, well, that's not going to be enough time for us to reopen by the 17th. So we're postponing that indefinitely. So a lot of us thought, okay, well, we've maybe a month more, then we'll have some guidelines after the July 4th holiday. But of course, what happened is what happened in a lot of other places in the United States, which is that July surge. So California had a big increase in cases in July and well into early August that translated into a big increase in deaths, sadly, in August. So the summer was really just off the table. That's sort of the the backstory. And of course, you know, the July 4th guidelines never came. Then we got into fall, (laughs) which is where we are now. So the, the big change, I guess we need to highlight and I know we've referenced it several times on the podcast, is these tiers that California now has. And those were actually unveiled at the end of August. So we had a previous system. We had like a watch list system throughout the summer, and then that got scrapped, and we got these tiers. So you want to talk tiers, Joe? Uh, I do not want to talk tiers. I want you to talk tiers because, as I've mentioned many times, the tier coloring for California is ridiculous. Green, yellow, red, that's getting from... Um, okay to worse and then after that there's purple and then um okay you, know, you, can't, talk purple, like, you can't talk to your you can't talk to your and then there's like teal <laughs> and then i think um chrysanthemum color you know no, that's a color no, no, right no. Okay, okay. You, you do the tears. <laughs> Take two, because there's no green. There's no green in California. There's, uh, makes I don't know. no what... <laughs> sense. I cannot deal with this. I cannot deal. I cannot. Okay, you just got to do it. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, okay, everyone. So... Sorry. I know. We're having too much fun with this. Just let me give you the formal stuff. This is called the blueprint for a safer economy, but we call it the tier system. Each county is assigned a tier based upon sort of how bad COVID is in that county. And there are three metrics that they now use. It's the positivity rate, the number of cases per 100,000 people, and they now have a new health equity metric, which is meant to sort of make sure that counties aren't skipping testing their most at-risk populations and testing the technocrats who are zooming at home who of course don't have covid so those are <laughs> that's how we measure the counties and counties that have the sort of highest level of covid are in the purple tier and then it goes down from there um, red is the next level down and orange and then yellow and like i said there is no green because i presume we reach green when like all of us have been vaccinated and covid has disappeared from the earth which we'll see if that happens Anyway, so when this was unveiled in August, pretty much 
every county of any population whatsoever, including Orange County, including, you know, San Francisco and where I live up here in Northern California, all those counties were in purple. So nothing could open. And that's sort of where we started. But of course, that big summer surge did tail off and numbers started going down in August and September and counties started moving down those tiers. And Orange County moved to red. My county is now actually in orange. We're doing better than Southern California. So this is all happening. So we have all these these tiers and based upon what where your county is, certain businesses can open at certain capacity. But guess what was left off the tier system? Theme parks. They were not placed anywhere in the tier system. So there was no way to know when theme parks could open, even as counties kept moving. So to clarify, California said if you are in this color tier, these are the things that can open at this capacity. And there was just guidelines for like every single type of business. Uh, Any other businesses left out besides theme parks that you can think of? Nothing that stands out in my mind. Um, I guess stadiums, I think, were so large sporting events were not on the tiered system either. But pretty much everything else is covered. Dining, nail salons, hair salons, family entertainment centers. So I'm assuming that's kind of like your Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. So there were a lot of businesses covered by the tier system. But these big mass gatherings, I mean, churches were included, but these big mass gatherings of the stadiums and the theme parks were not on the system. So so nobody knew when when they could open. And so in the fall, and we've talked about it a little bit here, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. Pressure definitely started ramping up from Disney's side and also a little bit from the public side to, I guess, basically ask Governor Newsom, like when, at the very least, are Disney going to get the regulations for when things can reopen. Bob Iger was on the California Coronavirus Reopening Task Force, and at some point he resigned, presumably because he was frustrated with where the directions things were going. Disney had to lay off a bunch of people and Josh DeMauro like threw in a little jab at California saying that, you know, part it was partially because Disneyland hadn't reopened, which, you know, I think is true in some senses, but also I think uh Tom Bricker from Disney Tourist Block said it was a little bit petty because Disney's not only laying off people in California, like they're laying off people all around the country, all around the world, really. So, um, yes, some of the layoffs are because of Disneyland, but, you know, it's not the only factor in the layoffs. And then at some point, Orange County and Anaheim, which at various times in history have had a contentious relationship with Disneyland, you know, they seemed like they were pushing for the parks to reopen as well. So, you know, it's not always the case that Disneyland and Anaheim are in lockstep with what they want to do. But at least in this case, it seems like they are. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it's really surprising given how contentious the relationship was the last couple of years. But um, there was a press conference held on the rooftop of one of the hotels across the street from Disneyland where the Anaheim mayor spoke and leaders from Orange County um, spoke to try to get Disneyland reopened to say that you know they were ready and they were confident in the protocols Disney had put in place at Disney World and was ready to move over here to the West Coast. So that was kind of an unusual alliance given really how contentious that relationship had gotten. But I mean, the bottom line is, is that is a huge percentage of the tax base for, you know, the city of Anaheim, for the county, and they are losing businesses, uh, and they know people are losing their, you know, 
apartments and their houses and not able to pay their bills. I mean, the amount of unemployment is obviously certainly centered around Anaheim and similar cities like Buena Park, where Knott's Berry Farm is located. You know, there are more theme parks than just Disneyland in Southern California. So it's Orange County, it's LA County, where Universal Hollywood is located. It's San Diego, where you got Legoland and SeaWorld. So it's really a big part of all of the Southern California economy at this point. So yes, strange bedfellows, but such is the case. And there was really a lot of pressure, like, just give us the guidelines. And then, of course, there was some inklings that the guidelines were coming and Disney and other theme parks put the brakes on that. They asked the state to wait because clearly they were tipped off that the guidelines were so unfavorable as to be something they didn't want out there. And uh, Newsom said that he was going to be sending representatives to Disney World and some of the other theme parks as sort of a site visit to see how things were going, to evaluate the risk to California in opening similar theme parks. And that was done. And then we got what happened last Tuesday and those theme park guidelines came out and they were, at least as I understand it, not a substantial improvement over the guidelines that were squashed a few weeks before. So I guess we got to get into that, huh, Joe? Yeah, I think my like big picture view of what the guidelines look like is smaller theme parks can open when it's orange. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So they've distinguished between these larger theme parks and these smaller theme parks. And that's based on full operating capacity, right? Like the number of people that could be in there on a given type. That's right. I think the number given was 15,000 guests as full operating capacity is sort of the dividing line. Right. So small theme parks can open in orange and big theme parks. So that's your Disney World's and your Universal. They can open in the yellow. And then, of course, that's only when these parks are allowed to reopen. But on top of that, you know, some of the highlights I saw, capacity is going to be limited, of course. But then one big thing that I saw that was different than Florida is that you can have no indoor queue at all. Well, I think what you saw with the indoors is actually with the uh, small theme parks. So everything at the small theme parks for them to open in orange has to be outdoors. So (laughs) for the bigger theme parks, they don't get to open at all until yellow and they have to only open at 25% capacity. So that's pretty significant. I mean, that's where Disney World is right now when, you know, Florida was in purple plus, right? I mean, obviously they don't follow the same tiers, but their numbers when they reopened were were much, much higher than the baseline for purple. So it's um, pretty, pretty challenging. And, And of course, you know, a lot of the health officials are pointing out that there really is no model for a major urban county to get into yellow. I mean, San Francisco County did just move into yellow. It was the first county of any population, like not a rural county, to get into yellow. But San Francisco is super, super unique. It's only 49 square miles. It's just the city. The city is the county. It's obviously one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest county in the entire state. And they have just done massive, massive amounts of testing, especially in their at-risk communities that you know, may not be analogous to a bigger county like the OC, certainly not LA or San Diego. So it's a huge question mark for a lot of people as to whether these counties can even get into yellow. And just so people understand what yellow means. So for a county the size of Orange County, which is about 3 million people, that means about 30 cases of coronavirus diagnosed a day. That's about where it is. And and the OC right now has easily had 150, 200, even into 300 cases more recently a day. So that's a long way from where they are right now. 
So there were rumors that there were going to be geographical restrictions to who could visit Disneyland. Did those make it to the final theme park reopening guidelines? They didn't for larger theme parks. Now, for smaller theme parks, those are only open to people within the same county. But for the larger theme parks opening in yellow, there are no geographical restrictions. And we did hear a couple of weeks ago that those were in the original theme park guidelines. So maybe that was the meaningful change that was made between two weeks ago and today. But yellow was still, you know, not changed at all. That was rumored two weeks ago, and that's still in the guidelines now. So I have some commentary regarding that, but is there anything else we need to know news-wise before we get into, you know, some of our discussion about, you know, how we feel about all this news? Yes. So the big news this week, a few days after the guidelines came out, and there was a lot of robust debate and a press conference that was held by the presidents of all of the major Southern California theme parks that was broadcast on Facebook. And that's definitely worth a watch because I thought that was super interesting. So after that happened, then Disney announced on Friday that it would be, quote, expanding downtown Disney by opening parts of Disney California Adventure, which is Buena Vista Street, which is basically the Main Street USA version of California Adventure, where there are shops, a couple of restaurants. So they're going to sort of expand what's happening in downtown Disney with the shopping and dining into part of DCA to accommodate more people because downtown Disney has been a bit of a madhouse. I mean, waits have been like hours and hours long to get into stores. The demand definitely exceeds the supply. So I think this is smart. And a couple of weeks ago, Disney did expand some of the shopping into a performance venue called Stage 17. So this is sort of an addition to that expansion as well. So a couple things, you know, I know... Leslie, you feel strongly that the parks should reopen. And I think I lean towards the parks reopening, but I think we should just state a couple of things for context. Number one, one of the reasons why I feel like the park should reopen is similar to, you know, how I felt when Disney World reopened. And that is the fact that there are so many cast members whose, you know, the ne- the federal unemployment has run out. Um, California's unemployment is, it is what it is, but, you know, a lot of them are really struggling now. I think it's impossible to ignore right now that if our national response had been better overall, whether it be providing people with the unemployment that they need so that these things can stay closed, or whether it be, you know, having a more comprehensive response to the virus so that, uh, you know, we weren't, I mean, we are, as we are recording, I think we hit our third peak today, we surpassed July, you know, in terms of cases recorded in the country. And yes, there's more testing, but still the positivity rates are concerning. So you know, even if you test more, you have more cases, but if the positivity rates aren't going down, then that means that it is out there. So to me, if California, though, could provide cast members with uh, what they need to survive, I'd be perfectly happy with Disneyland staying closed. And a couple other things to note, Greg Condon from Park Journey, who is on the Disney Hacks podcast, which I also edit, you know, he was saying he would have no problem with the theme parks remaining closed if it wasn't like so bizarre that so many other things are open. Like, for example, he lives in California in his county, like movie theaters are open. Uh, it's weird that movie theaters are reopened, but theme parks aren't since in a movie theater, you're sitting in a, the same space for like hours, um, oftentimes with your mask off and people are eating and stuff like that. So it is a little bit weird that California is making an exception of theme parks However, I should note that, you know, we had a listener write in, Sarah, and she brought up a great point, And that is that theme parks, they bring in a lot of people from different places. And so that 
gives you the opportunity. Like we haven't seen an outbreak at Disney World, but that's because people go home from Disney World in like a week. So who knows what they could have possibly brought back to where they're from. And so when Disneyland opens, you know, there's going to be a lot of people in and out and that has the potential to spread things further around. And I think that is a strong reason to not reopen the park. Now, question for you, Leslie, seeing all these theme park regulations, part of me is like, maybe Disneyland should have just gone ahead with the geographical restrictions so that they could reopen at a higher level. Because let's say only LA County can visit Disneyland. They'll still get some business and the cast members will still be able to go back to their jobs. But you know, you figure if you're in LA County, whatever is being spread in LA County is already being spread in LA County, no matter what. So I don't know. What do you think about, about that? Yeah, so much to comment on, Joe, and and all of that. I mean, I think the old guidelines were geographical restrictions plus yellow tier, so it wouldn't have made any difference if Disney had conceded. You know, if they could have somehow negotiated orange tier and geographical restrictions, then yeah, that probably would have been wise. I don't know from a legal perspective (laughs) if that would have been sustainable, just because, I mean, that's strange to me that Californians wouldn't be treated equally in terms of their ability to to travel around the state. I mean, I'm sure somebody who's looked into to that, and um, I haven't looked into that legal issue specifically, might have something to say. But in any event, I mean, that would have been one way to have gone. I mean, query whether OC or LA are going to even get into orange anytime soon. But I mean, there are so many different possibilities. And I do hear the argument that theme parks bring people in from all around the country. But that was actually something that was talked about quite a bit on that press conference among all the theme park presidents. And one thing that they said is actually pre-COVID, still the majority of visitors to all of these theme parks are Southern California locals. I mean, we've talked before about just how strong that annual pass holder base is. And that's happening even more at Walt Disney World right now. I mean, they're really only drawing from the drive markets to speak of. It's a lot of Floridians, a lot of you know, Alabamians, Georgians. And you have to think that that would be the same at California. I mean, people just aren't traveling across the country as much as they used to a year ago. So some of that would be self-limiting. But the other thing I would say to that, and I've, I've put some comments about this out on Twitter, is that if Newsom is really so concerned about other states moving into California, you know, affecting our our case rates after we've really flattened the curve and and bent it even here in California, then he could impose a 14-day out-of-state quarantine like all of the New England states have. And he hasn't. And as it is, people are coming into California for so many other reasons, for the beaches, for the national parks, for just tourism in general. I mean, I just, I know tons of people from neighboring states who have been coming here the last couple of months, especially during the summer. uh, when kids were out of school and not even Zoom schooling yet. So it's curious to me that that hasn't happened because it seems to me that, that a least restrictive approach that the governor's office could take would be, you know, shut the borders of California, open Disneyland, give people jobs, and not have as much out of state mixing. What do you think about that? I think the thing that is most frustrating about this, and honestly, it is like this with all the states. You know, it is impossible given the current circumstances to be completely consistent all the time. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions and it's it's such a bizarre time, right? You cannot account for every single scenario. And also, you know, that study just came out that <laughs> when the coronavirus 
outbreak happened in New York, like a lot of people like fled New York and seeded mini outbreaks like all around the country. So traveling does spread this thing. But that being said, like, I think you bring up a good point, right? Like if the borders of California are open for other types of travel, is the data, and this is what I don't have the information on, but is the data for Disneyland really that different? Like if Disneyland is mostly catering only to California people, then is it going to spread? Because I actually think Florida is probably, if things are being spread, Florida probably is going to spread it more than Disneyland would. Because like we've said so many times on this podcast, Disneyland is mostly AP holders, right? But Florida, you know, you have people, I think you still have people visiting now who aren't like regulars or AP holders. So I don't know. I feel like they could have talked and maybe they will eventually talk to Newsom and be like, maybe uh, you just let us only have AP holders come, right? And mostly California people are going to buy annual passes. You know, maybe there's something like that. Or maybe in the future, I don't know, it ends up being a legal issue. You know, I think we should say here, we weren't clear on the last podcast. You know, Leslie, your husband uh, represented like a winery for this type of issue, but he does not work with the theme parks at all. You know, he just wrote as like a legal person who knows stuff about these laws. Like there's no conflict of interest there. But what do you think? Do you think Disney is going to end up suing? Uh, You know, do you think this is going to end up going to the courts? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot, just being a lawyer in a former life and I mean, I think it could come to that. At first, I thought it was coming to that like this week. And then Disney did this, you know, opening of Buena Vista Street. And it could be that they're going to kind of try to find the loopholes in the guidelines and do what SeaWorld has done and Knott's Berry Farm and open a lot of things that they can open within the theme parks without opening the rides so that they could have a food festival, they could open their hotels. You know, I certainly know a lot of people who would pay the big bucks just to go spend a couple of nights in the Grand Californian or the Disneyland Hotel right now. I mean, people are desperate for stuff to do. So there are some ways Uh, that they can find some loopholes. The question is, will that be enough to employ enough people for as long as we anticipate this closure to be going on? And, you know, I I think that is possible. I also think it's possible that, you know, right now we have these purple, red, orange, yellow tiers, and that could get scrapped well before you know, we get to the point where we have a fully, you know, a mostly fully vaccinated population way later into 2021. So, you know, Newsom did scrap the state watch list in favor of this new program. So this isn't something that necessarily will be in place for a year or more. But yeah, I do think that Disney's evaluating that. And given the coordination that's happened among all the theme parks with that press conference this week, I mean, they're obviously talking and they would go in on it together would be my best prediction. But yeah, this is just a really, really tough situation. And I have to acknowledge that you and I have our biases about it, Joe, and we're not exactly on the same page. But you know, I know we're not exactly on the same page as a lot of people who are listening. And this is just so many things to weigh. And, um, you know, it certainly weighs heavily on our hearts to know, first and foremost, what's happening to the cast members and the people whose businesses rely upon this. I know people who are, you know, in dire economic straits themselves because of what's going on. And I just want somebody to figure that out, whether that be the, the federal government, the state government, the theme parks, somebody. I can't figure it out. It's the frontline cast members. It's the 
businesses in Anaheim that rely on Disneyland for their business, you know, the stroller rental companies, the small hotels, the travel guides, you know, all, all those, all these people are affected. Um, you know, it is like in Florida, Disney World is the largest employer in Florida. And I know that's not the case in California for Disneyland, but still it's like a gigantic employer. And, you know, so many people are suffering because of this. So really it is about, you know, what are solutions that can happen that best assuage the pain that all these people are going through, all the financial difficulties that these people are going through. If there is a way for them to be supported without Disneyland reopening, you know, I'm all for that. Right now, I'm not sure if I see that, but again, this is not what we get paid to do. You know, we should acknowledge again that it is a a failure of this country overall. And I don't mean just politically. I just mean like all of us, like we could have done better here. And it's just a shame that uh, so many people are suffering because of it. I'll say one last thing about Newsom, regardless of what you feel about his decision making and stuff like that. I think from where I sit, at least in Massachusetts, it's tough for me to say that the guy does not believe in what he's doing, because I do seriously think he is risking his reelection on the convictions that he is going by. And so I have to respect that. I think he is doing what he thinks is best for the state, Uh, whether that is actually what is best or not. I don't know. Uh, I'm not smart enough to understand that. But you know, I do have to at least respect the guy for trying to do what he thinks is best for his state, because you know, I do not think he's doing what is most popular in the state right now. So there's that. Yeah, certainly not in Southern California. So we'll we'll see what it what it means for his future political prospects. So I'll leave that to other people. I never thought that becoming a Disney podcaster, I'd be talking all this politics and law and all of this. But here we are in epidemiology and virology. And <laughs> here we are, Joe. Yeah, we are masters of none, though. Um, so. Yeah, no, totally. Total diddle talents right here. Anyway, uh, let us know what your thoughts are on Disneyland. Uh, we actually have to go because we're being interviewed for CNBC right now. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, this is. I think this is enough uh, speculation on our part. No one, no one is going to agree exactly about how things should be. Um, and we are as curious as everyone else to find out what is going to happen. But, you know, let us know your thoughts and opinions. I'm sure we've missed angles. We try to keep these podcasts short. This is already 30 minutes long. Uh, there's angles we've missed that we have thought about that we weren't able to share. But, yeah, let us know. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. All right, Leslie, do you have a quick Disney do or don't to close us out with? Keep following us on Twitter because I promise you and I are going to keep tweeting about this, right? Self-serving Disney do. I love it. At Hassel Joe Flies for me. At Trips with Tykes for Leslie. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Thank you for indulging us. Leslie and I said this was going to be a short episode uh, off air, but uh, we were obviously wrong. So thank you for sticking with us towards the end. If you are still here, we appreciate everyone for listening. And thank you, Leslie, for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you deep, deep in the internet forums trying to figure out what everyone's saying about all this stuff. Thanks, Jim. Thank you.